Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics Podcast in association with 23. This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. We've got a big topic today as we are talking about the greatest players of all time. My name is Ryan Bailey and joining me is a very busy man because he works in football and it's the World Cup. Day three at the time of recording. Mark, how are you? Are you, are you alive? Are you well? Um, yeah, I'm not feeling too well, Ryan, at the moment. Um, I've um, I've actually caught... I've caught World Cup fever. That's what I've caught. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where you were going yeah, with that. I know, you pulled I, it out of the bag with a sensational dad I joke. Try, well yeah, done. I tried to just string that one along a little bit. Um, yeah, happy World <laughs> Cup. Uh, it's very busy oh, for everybody. Um, but we have a situation where we are able to watch four games in a day so how can any football fan complain well yeah you're you're actively paid to watch four games a day i'm here trying to sneak watching four games a day <laughs> whilst working and concentrating on actual life um bit of a weird one isn't it i mean look we're we're kind of on a serious point it's not it's been very well documented obviously the qatar world cup in many many several places that are far more qualified to talk about the serious elements of it than ourselves but for a start, just, you know, it's just a very weird vibe, isn't it? Watching the World Cup with all the sort of issues that everyone feels. And I felt very flat on the opening, you know, on the opening day and watching England the other day. I just sort of didn't feel quite right. But like I said, I don't, I don't, don't know how you feel, but I don't think it's for necessarily the Football Analytics podcast to put it to, you know, out there and to discuss it at length because people know a lot more about it than we do. But it's important, I think, to note that it's not quite the World Cup we'd normally have got excited about in the past is it yeah no completely agree for a, for a whole host of reasons um and as you say I, i'd encourage people to educate themselves if they haven't already on on why that that is in terms of the the political issues surrounding obviously qatar but other countries like iran um obviously england playing them uh this week but thinking just about on, on football terms and 
when we normally would watch the World Cup, just simply it being winter and yeah. watching a game and it being dark outside as I'm watching it, you know, obviously in the UK, um, feels strange as well. And I think that adds Very an element strange. of um, perhaps a little bit less excitement. You think about people coming together to to watch the games. It's more wet and cold again, especially in the UK. Yeah. Obviously not in uh, in other countries, but that feeds into a little bit of a less excitement. But yeah, let's obviously just enjoy it uh, as much as we can for, you know, considering everything. What also makes it strange is the fact that England started their first World Cup game by scoring six goals, which, I mean, I don't think has happened in my lifetime of watching football. Because that, has that happened before with us? Off the top of my head, no. I know we beat Panama in a big amount in 2018, but the opening game... Opening game, yeah, I was going to say, typically England... Uh, I'd need to check the numbers on it, but it feels like England tend to draw their first game quite often, um, mm. certainly in our lifetime, and then force themselves to to either have to draw or win, get at least four points, hopefully six, from the, the subsequent games. It never feels like there's a convincing win where, in theory, if they win their next game, they could arguably not need to win their final game. Um, yeah. So, yeah, exciting times for England. I don't think it's coming home put it that way <laughs> but it's still still exciting I just love to watch Jude Bellingham I know that he scored the first goal yeah. um, and Bakayo Saka as well so exciting in terms of young English talent there's plenty of it but um, Jude Bellingham just is just he just oozes class it feels like it's going to be a big one doesn't it for Jude um, I tell you what also is a big talking point which not something I expect to be talking about but um, the extra time everyone's everyone's having a, a, a good old chat about that aren't they but I, I think th- of the games I've watched which at the time of recording I've watched three out of five there's been nine minutes extra time ten minutes extra time and fourteen minutes extra time uh, obviously one of them was a big collision but yeah some the extra time's a bit mad isn't it I mean Correct me if I'm wrong for the England game. I think it might have been 24 minutes in total, no? Because it was 10 minutes. Was it? I think in it was 10 end. minutes after the, the second half. I think it was 14 minutes after the first half because of the, the unfortunate collision. So it's, it, yeah, it's really quite something. I think we were warned about it from FIFA that we would be trying to have more extra time to actually account for mm. all of the stoppages in play. But I think as much as anything for me, because there's so many games sort of quote unquote back to back, it means that there's very little time to quickly get anything else done between the games. Catch your breath. Because there's, there's yeah. Up, yeah, upwards of a quarter of an hour added on to what you'd consider as the end of the game. So, um, Unbelievable. Yeah, I can't catch my breath. You're right. It's it's pretty much non-stop um, four games back to back. Yeah. Um, at the time recording, listeners, we, it is currently uh, Tuesday early evening. So uh, Poland and Mexico have just drawn, I believe, Mark. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. is that correct? No, no. Yeah. At the time of recording, uh, Argentina were beaten 2-1 by Saudi Arabia in the big shock uh, earlier on in the day, considering Lionel Messi scored a penalty very early on. You thought that was only going to go one way. Um, and which we'll come on to this in a little bit, Ronaldo's just had his contract terminated at Manchester United, which we will definitely come on to later on. But it's all kicking off. You try and write a script, you try and mm-hmm. you know think what you're going to do for an episode, and then all the things happen. This is why World Cups are amazing and ever-changing. So it's all kicking off, Mark, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, doing a podcast during the World Cup is very, very difficult to talk about anything really topical because it becomes yesterday's news on the same day sometimes yeah that you know things change and things move so so quickly so as we often do on the, the football analytics podcast uh this 
episode ultimately is not going to be too time dependent is it? it's going to be more of a, yeah. a broader conversation but there is just so many things uh going on in the world cup and otherwise as you say but really topical that we're talking about messi and ronaldo yes and not at all rehearsed to say that to <laughs> link into the episode not at all at not all at even all. um we have segued into what the episode is about uh shall we get on with it mark let's do it well, it's very well covered ground, Mark, uh, isn't it? The topic of this episode. Um, and it's something, again, I mean, 2022 has been the year of things we can't believe we have not spoken about previously. Mm. But the whole Messi-Ronaldo debate, which, bear with us listeners, I know sometimes it's very easy to, uh, you hear that in a pub and you go, oh, come on. Like, how many times have we heard this? Mm. Everyone's got their opinions. But uh, we we wanted to do a slight twist on the whole subject today. And we've got a very good reason for doing so, which we'll talk about later. But first of all, Mark, which camp are you in? Can you be in both camps or do you have to sit in one camp? And which one are you in? Um, I suppose you can sit in both camps, quite simply. I am a messy side of the, side of the coin mm-hmm. um, simply because of his natural talent, basically. And I know that, it, again, it's a stereotype and we try to do as little of that as possible on the Football Fanalytics podcast. We try and look at things a little bit differently. But you can't, for me, ignore the fact that if you just want to watch someone grace the pitch with such majesty, then yeah. you have to go and watch Lionel Messi. And many times we've spoken about this on the podcast. You and I, with some friends, went especially to Barcelona to do that. Because, yeah. uh, as you said, we want to be able to say that we have seen Lionel Messi grace the, the field. He didn't start yeah. that game, which nearly oh. you know had our hearts in our mouth, but he did come on. Um, but do you know what I mean? The the, yeah. the natural talent that, that Messi has um, is just something to behold. Not even thinking about the numbers. Yeah. It's something of pride to me almost, which is a very strange thing to say. But just as a football fan, I, I like the idea that in 30 years time, I'll be able to... Uh, tell the younger generation that I went to see Ronaldo and Messi in the flesh, um, you know, which, 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 as you say, we went all the way to Barcelona for, and he was on the bench, which almost ruined my life. But, um, but he did come on, and it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, and I'm asking this, maybe knowing the answer, given what we've just spoken about. But where do you sit in terms of Messi versus Ronaldo? I've always been Messi, um, just for similar reasons to you. But I actually remember, I think the moment I realised I was Messi. Um, was it? I remember I was I was in France somewhere. I think it was it was on. It was in January, and uh, I was watching a Champions League game. And basically, there was this pass from Messi that it threw this little this little sort of scooped little pass that he did through to someone else through the tiniest little gap you've ever seen. And I just remember thinking, utter genius! Like I just have no idea. You'd never. It's not even like a belter of a goal or something. Maybe think it was just this little tiny little touch that made me just think I just you, your brain just works in a way mm. that you know no one else's does and I just think I think as you say it's just it's just a joy isn't it at the end of the day um, having said that I always used to want Ronaldo on FIFA I was going to say as opposed to Messi you did have a lot of Ronaldo in you when you were younger no comparison to your Ronaldo's of 2009 uh, on FIFA because he had absolutely everything uh, as, a, as a FIFA player shove it in the box do whatever you want with him he was the best player by a mile um, you said a phrase earlier which I don't often hear come out of your mouth considering you're a man who deals in stats but stats aside you said hmm. um, which is very very interesting from Mr. Hardcold Facts but 
I mean, the stats are ridiculous, aren't they? There's still there's still th- comparisons that come up when in the current season people talk about Haaland, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's those things, isn't there, that Haaland would have to continue scoring at the rate he is and some more to even hit those kind of one season wonders where they would score in ninety odd goals each, and they did it for what like eight seasons back to back or something. The the stats are out of this world, aren't they? Yeah, I think this is the thing. There's it's the consistency that they have operated in for their near enough their whole career. Ronaldo less so. He became more of a goal machine in the early stages of well, mid stages of his Manchester United career in the first Manchester United career. But um, it's yeah, it's the fact that they've done it over such a long period. There's there's been many players who have done it in a short period, a couple of seasons, maybe three seasons, but consistently over that period of time. I've seen former footballers say that they used to think that a rate of one goal every two games was a really solid rate for a striker. And they just, they've blown that out of the water. And it's probably not really been done across the whole of Europe in in footballing history. Never mind, obviously we have more of a focus on the Premier League. Yeah. For all of the greats, Pele was obviously uh, ridiculous in terms of his goal scoring output. But Maradona was a a genius on the ball, but his numbers weren't actually that strong in terms of goal scoring, you know. But uh, the the fact that they've done it and just rewritten the rule book of, of scoring is basically one goal a game at least um, for such a long period is just just absurd, isn't it? It's absolutely absurd. Um, the timing, however, of uh, this episode is perfect with the World Cup, as it's probably their last, isn't it? Both of them. Well, it almost certainly is, unless you know Messi. Could you see him probably having one more potentially if he does Very a Ronaldo? Plays till 37, 38, etc. But um, did you see the picture that they uh, they had with it was like uh, it was quite epic actually. It was them both sat over a chessboard, um, sort of. I think it was a Louis Vuitton advert, which makes it kind of less epic. But um, yeah, did you see that where it was almost like them saying, "This is the last stand, isn't it?" I did. Yeah, I also saw that apparently the the formation of that chessboard was not a genuine chess formation. Just for those who had <laughs> eagle eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's a load of bollocks basically is what you're yeah saying. yeah it's just yeah it's not at all accurate basically but uh no i did see that that was well that's uh, my opinion changed <laughs> well i mean you know it's one of those isn't it like we said at the start you can kind of have countless countless chats about it and there's so much nuance to it and there's so many different opinions and pros and cons for both but we could have our say in it as two people who've grown up with Messi and Ronaldo and it sadly at some point obviously will come to the end of that era even if one of them is disgracing themselves <clears throat> not saying mm. too much but uh, you know rather than us have our say in it for a whole episode we have a very exciting guest joining us this week don't we Mark? We do yes we have uh, Jonathan Clegg on the, on the podcast uh, a Wall Street Journal reporter um, who wrote a fantastic book called Messi versus Ronaldo uh, alongside Joshua Robinson. Um, so the two of them have written this this book that shows such a thread of all of the things that bind Messi and Ronaldo together rather than necessarily the things that separate them. We're talking about Messi versus Ronaldo, but it's, it's them being this sort of single entity, uh, which I think is so interesting in the book that whatever, you can't have one without the other throughout all of their their career really and it's it's been said and even though people might um think it's not the case that the reason i i think that they have posted the numbers that they have posted is because of the other player um throughout all of their uh their career to try and outdo one another so it's made them the players that they are the their rivalry has um so yeah we were delighted to to speak with jonathan 
and uh, and be able to chat with him all about this book which is fantastic absolutely uh we both received a book through the post didn't we uh, which we have read um and it is very very good but you don't need us to tell you that uh we'll let jonathan tell you um so here is our interview with jonathan clegg Mark, we are delighted to welcome Jonathan Clegg to the Football Fanalytics podcast, who is actually calling us from Qatar currently, <laughs> which I did not realise you'd be called from Qatar. Hello, Jonathan. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Um, thanks for having me. Um, excited to join you guys. Uh, what's, what's it been like out there? I mean, it's been at the time of recording, it's been a couple of days, but is it is it all go? It's it's all go. Um, yeah, it's been... Um, you know, it's been, it's been different, um, but um, today... I really felt it was like the first day of like actually being at a proper World Cup. Yeah. Um, uh, I spent the morning at, um, or this afternoon, I should say, at um, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, which was completely crazy. Um, and yeah, it really felt like a, uh, a, a, a proper World Cup. So um, yeah, it's been good. I mean, we'll come to the, the sort of the topical stuff that's happening very shortly because uh, at the time recording an absolute uh, <laughs> massive development has happened in the whole Messi-Ronaldo uh, story. Two but, um, massive developments. Two um, massive developments, absolutely. We, um, But for our listeners, we were, uh, of course, very kindly sent uh, the Messi vs. Ronaldo uh, book by Joshua Robinson and Jonathan Clegg. And just for our listeners, I want to start uh, with a very quick quote, which really stood out in the author's notes uh, about Messi-Ronaldo. Taken individually... Each one offers his own portrait of all-time sporting greatness, and plenty has been written about both. But any story focusing on just one of them necessarily comes with gaping holes shaped like the other. Whether they like it or not, Messi and Ronaldo are irrestricable from each other's narratives. In the twilight of their careers, they are now secure enough to admit this. For nearly two decades, they drove each other on. Being the GOAT meant first being better than the other guy which I just thought really sums up the magnitude of the two players that you've written a book about. Um, and it's been a debate that's been around for so long as we can remember. I just wanted to ask you, first of all, like what made you want to write a book about the rivalry and how have you managed to sort of find a different angle to tell that story? Because it's obviously a massive story to cover, isn't it? As you say, there's been a lot written about them. Yeah, there has. Um, so I should say that, um, I should probably say that um, Josh... Uh, and I, um, this is our second book. We wrote um, a, another book previously called The Club, which is about the growth of the, the formation and growth of the Premier League. Yeah. And um, that story, um, the, the, the Premier League experiment pretty much explains like every modern development in football from the early 1990s to now. Um, the Premier League clubs, as you know, uh, the top clubs in England broke away, formed their own league. They got insanely rich. They could then buy the best players in the world. That made them even stronger. They started to dominate European soccer and the virtuous cycle was born. They got more money for their TV rights, yada, yada, yada. The Premier League kind of took over world football. The one thing that it didn't explain was that for most of the late aughts and 2010s, the best teams in the world were not found in the Premier League. They were Barcelona and Real Madrid. And the reason yes. they were the best teams in the world was because of Messi and Ronaldo. So we sort of began thinking about a story about the two of those as these kind of other kind of um, forces of gravity in the football world um, in the 2000s. And as we started to sort of think about them and their story, and right from the beginning, we kind of imagined it as a sort of dual 
story. Like you, you cannot tell the story of Messi or Ronaldo without the other. And as we began to think of it in those terms, we began to realize that it was a sort of much bigger story than we'd imagined. And the story could actually be as big as you wanted it. The Messi-Ronaldo story, in many ways, isn't just about soccer. It, 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 it's not just about football. It, it captures, you know, um, globalization. It captures the nature of modern celebrity in the 21st century. It's yeah. about... Um, money and power and how people use those things so when we sort of figured that out when we sort of began to realize how big the story could be we realized that um this was a a book that could be written and b that a story that hadn't been told so that's when we sort of set down to do it i really like the the thread that you have just explained that that is throughout the book that there's so many differences there's so many similarities but um, I, I do really like that what what i want to know is or what I'd like you to share with the, the listeners is who you spoke to for the book, because I know that you've, you know, in the book, it says that you spoke to a lot of their inner circle. There's obviously a lot of information, you know, out there already, but just how much, you know, the, the research is so extensive, just how much you spoke to, to those who are close to both players, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, you know, there is, um, the, the first thing to know about Messi Ronaldo is that they are reluctant participants in projects like this. So um, they um, both know about the book. Um, I don't, they, I, I, I doubt that they've read it, um, but- <laughs> You never know, um, But you never you know. Never know. Um, but, um, but, you know, it became pretty clear early on that they were not especially interested in um, participating um, fully. Uh, if you've had, if you're lucky enough to have seen the um, short movie that Ronaldo made about himself in 2014, you will know yes. the sort of portrait mm. that Ronaldo would like to um, make <laughs> for himself. And, it, you know, it, it, it was obvious that that was not exactly what we were looking to do. So, um, it, for the record, he spends most of that movie bare-chested um, and <laughs> congratulating his agent on the fact that he's the greatest agent in the world. So... Um, uh, yeah, that, that was not exactly what we were looking to do. So we kind of realized pretty early on that, um, you know, with, with two guys like that, um, you know, the, the, the other thing to know about Messi and Ronaldo is that they're sort of quite kind of unknowable characters. They don't really yeah. um, say a lot of, um, you know, terribly profound things. Um, they are, um, you know, they've become masters of, you know, talking a lot um you know being interviewed many times but never really giving anything away and so um it became clear that a they weren't going to participate and b any participation they did give would probably be you know um uh, pretty, pretty much on their terms and not entirely revelatory so we decided that the best thing to do was kind of um you have to kind of triangulate the stuff that you get if you speak to enough people around them you can kind of piece things together. Um, we were able to speak to other people who were sort of in the room when a lot of the kind of major decisions throughout their careers were made. Um, you know, we can't really identify exactly who we spoke to because a lot of that stuff was was um, given to us on sort of condition of, of anonymity. People whose, you know, livelihoods often still depend on Messi Ronaldo. So, um, it, you know, the, the, the easiest thing to say is we, we just spoke to as many people close to them as possible. Uh, with Ronaldo, that's kind of easier than Messi because he's played in, in many different places. 
England, Spain, Italy, Portugal, it's quite easy to sort of track down people who have been around him. With Messi, um, it's it's a little um, trickier. Wow. And I mean, I guess that feels like a good place to ask. At the time of obviously printing the book, uh, a certain interview that people might have heard of hadn't hadn't come out at the time. How... What were your thoughts when you when you watched that? First and foremost, I just really want to know. I mean, so first off, um, you know, it's it's sort of shocking to see a guy who has kept things really close to the vest for his entire career suddenly yeah. like air his dirty laundry like that in public. Like it was, I, I did not expect Cristiano Ronaldo to do an interview like that. Um, especially on the eve of a World Cup that we know he has been kind of eagerly anticipating for at least the last two years. So um, that there was some surprise with that. In terms of the content, I was less surprised because we actually got a lot of this stuff in the book. And that book, we you know, we finished up writing the book last sort of May, June. But we had... Um, uh, if, if you've read the book or, or if you've read, um, you know, a lot of it was like um, was sort of excerpted and serialized in um, the tabloids in the UK. Uh, we yeah. had a lot of that stuff in there about his like profound dissatisfaction with his return to Manchester United. I think just a few weeks after joining the club, we had that he told a, a, a prominent FIFA official that it was a, a disaster. He described it as mm-hmm. that, that the club had not moved on since he was first there. He was appalled by the kind of um, fact that the training facilities, the weights room, uh, the club's sort of nutrition plan was like exactly the same as it had been almost a decade earlier. So, um, so yeah, the content stuff, not really surprised by. We, we had a lot of that stuff too. Um, yeah, of course. But, but the fact that he just sort of chose to do that, rip the bandaid off like that and essentially force Man- Manchester United to fire him was surprising. Do you think with that there's a certain extent to which he is tarnishing his legacy? Do you think, you know, you think of the greats like Maradona, who was a controversial figure, but years on we just think of him as just this amazing footballer. Do you think in the short term, I believe he's tarnishing his legacy, but do you think that this is something that in, in years' time, in decades' time, we will just be thinking about Ronaldo, the, the player on the pitch and the, the record breaker? To what extent yeah. do you think there is one or the other? Yeah, I think I think I think you're right. I think in the short term, there's some sort of you know minor you know scuffs to his sort of golden legacy. But I think in the long term, I mean, you know, don't forget Maradona. You know, this is a guy who used a fake plastic penis to <laughs> evade drug testers. You know, like this is like you know we we, we sort of gloss over that stuff. Um, but um, but so you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think what Ronaldo has done is like terrible um uh so i don't think it will like sort of damage his legacy long term you know in 10 years 15 years time are we going to remember this or are we going to remember the fact that ronaldo like won the champions league basically every season it was in real madrid and like set new goal scoring records that like might never be broken i mean uh, i think this is a sort of unfortunate episode but i don't think it will uh, overshadow everything else that he's done um, even at Manchester United, you know, even the return to Man United, which now looks like a complete, you know, mess. It, it, you know, ten years time, will we look back and be like, oh, he actually got twenty four mm. goals last season. Yeah. That was like pretty good. Like, you know, even at thirty six, thirty seven, he was still banging them in. So I, I don't think it will really overshadow things too much. Yeah, 
And I mean, like you say, actually, as well, the 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 timing of when we've literally just hopped on this call with you. Um, yeah. The news has within the hour been announced, hasn't it? Manchester United have terminated his contract. That's right. Um, Minutes ago. The, what's the reaction like? <laughs> sat around you in Qatar with all the you know with that going off. Yeah. So I I was I was literally sitting next to Josh um, when the news broke. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think I think it, you know, no one is surprised. This this was clearly going to happen um, from the moment he gave that interview. Um, even even a few days ago, Manchester United said they were exploring their legal options. It was pretty clear that this was this divorce was coming. Um, you know, it's, it's just uh, you know again to, to sort of um, you know keep it very topical. It's it it just seems sort of crazy and sort of oddly poetic that this also happens on the same day that just hours earlier, um, Lionel Messi endured, you know, a huge World Cup catastrophe yeah. when Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia in one of the sort of great upsets in tournament history. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question of just how much, yeah, that, that thread <laughs> is there. I know you alluded to it before as well. And you think about their obvious differences. There's a lot spoken about their playing style being the obvious one, their physique and things like that. But across their whole career, do you, do you think that there is actually more that, binds them than separates them you, you know think about Messi coming from Argentina as a young child and Ronaldo coming over to Portugal um, both of them yeah coming away from home at a young age and becoming the players that they have become do you think there is just so many similarities there as well as the obvious differences yes I think that's right I think that the differences are you know obvious at first glance and have become so um, you know, commented upon that they've almost become cartoonish mm. in a way. Um, yeah. Ronaldo is the Superman. Messi is the, you know, the shrimp. <laughs> um, uh, you know, R Ronaldo, Messi is the sort of natural genius. Ronaldo is the worker who grafts for everything he gets. Th th those things are like very simple ways of viewing them. And, and in a sense, I think that, that part of the reason their rivalry has become so powerful and that they have become such, you know, th their rivalry has become so kind of... Um, yeah, animates people to such a degree around the world is partly because those differences are very simplistic. And when you boil it down, yeah. you, you know, th those those sorts of differences, um, you know, really kind of um, depend you, you, which side you come down on really depends on your sort of philosophical worldview. If you if you naturally side with the the natural, the, 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 the Mozart, for instance, you know, the guy who was sort of put in front of a piano or put on a soccer field and, and genius sort of sprung forth, then you yeah. naturally gravitate to Messi. If you kind of appreciate someone who has to work for everything they have, who creates themselves into a Superman in order to sort of maximize their talent, then you naturally, you know, uh, 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 side with Ronaldo. And, and so those sorts of like very simplistic differences between them, I think are part of the reason that their rivalry has been so, um, so powerful. But, um, but I do think that when you, when you really boil down to it, they are much, much more similar than we have kind of allowed ourselves to believe for most of this period. And in fact, they are both um, very, very sort of similar um, in terms of a mindset, <clears throat> both insanely competitive animals. And I think a lot of it does come down to, as you say, the fact that they were both uprooted from their homes at very young ages, taken across the sea and forced to become essentially professional footballers at the age of 12, mm. 13, 14. And I think what that does is creates people who are not, don't really have like outside interests beyond football. They are both incredibly single-minded, um, devoted to becoming the best professional players they can be and maximizing and extending their careers for as long as possible. 
it, it, it's really like the, the, the very simplistic view of Messi is that he's just a guy who loves football. But also yeah. the kind of deeper, more nuanced view of Messi is also that he's just a guy who loves football. And, you know, he, he, that, that sort of his desire just to like play football and not really have to worry about anything else in his life kind of explains him as well as anything else. I love that. The other one I used to see that was um, on a similar line, I saw there used to be like a stick drawing of uh, of a mountain and both of them stood up the top, but one of them was messy and it was sort of reaching down to bring others up. And the other one was Ronaldo facing the other way, sort of celebrating to the people at the bottom of the mountain, yeah. which I really enjoyed because that kind of sums them up. But like yep. you say, it's it there's more there's more to it than that. But it's... Yeah, they, 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 both, they both were determined to get to the top of the mountain is the key. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what they do when they get there, yeah, sure, that they're, they're, they're different in how they do those things. But but both of them got to the top of the mountain because they're both incredibly driven, you know, very single-minded individuals who are yeah. ruthlessly focused on one thing, which is, you know, football. Which is football. Um, where do you stand on the whole idea of uh, one of the topics when that gets thrown in when one is supporting the other is normally Ronaldo. Where do you stand on the idea that Ronaldo has been successful across multiple European leagues versus Messi predominantly staying at the same club? Is that sort of entered the thinking? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I would say that um, while our book is about their their rivalry, the two of them and their rivalry, we, we don't really, um, really look to sort of pick sides or decide, you know, come down one way or the other. Um, you know, honestly, when, when we were when we were writing the book, we almost came to see the two of them as like a single entity, like Messi and Aldo, hmm. we would refer to them as like they're just sort of one like sort of huge force of gravity in football and um and and so so much of what they did affected so much around them that trying to sort of like you know slice it so thinly as to be like oh well Ronaldo also did this at Juventus whereas Messi was at Barca it, it seems like almost to sort of um make the their legacy almost too small to sort of try and choose mm. between them it's sort of I, I, I now feel that to sort of really appreciate them it's best to just view them as view the two of them as one you know unique force that came along at the same time and um, and, and like I say it was like a, a sort of you know reshaped the, the sort of football universe like a huge black hole um, uh, that, 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 that sort of impacted and, and affected um, the, the, the football world around them. So, I, I, you know, yeah, I, I understand why, why people, you know, think about it like that. And, you know, in truth, I think when you sort of map out their careers, there have been, you know, dips and troughs where one of them was on top for a while and then the other one was. And, and um, you know, there was that, that period in the sort of early, um, you know, uh, 2010s where, you know, Barcelona was scooping up all the trophies and, and Messi was like clearly on top of the world. And then uh, they got to the 2014 World Cup final and then and they lost. And then that seemed to sort of presage a Ronaldo era where Real Madrid yeah. then started like vacuuming up a lot of the trophies and Portugal won the Euro. Messi retired from playing for Argentina after yet another, you know, tournament defeat and, and it sort of seemed like Ronaldo had the upper hand so the, the, the sort of balance between them I feel like has, has shifted a lot throughout their careers and um, yeah so so I, I, you know the, 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 the upshot being I'm going to chicken out of answering that question and just say like I, I, I just you know like I say we tend to view them as one one kind of combined unit yeah. at this point I think that's so interesting because every chapter that I read of the book, I was thinking, okay, this is a this is more of a Ronaldo chapter 
and then I get halfway through and I'm a bit, oh no, well, I'm, I'm reading about Messi now. So as you say, just them being so combined, it, the thread throughout was just, it was really subtle and very intelligent the way you did it, but it was just always that you can't separate them. They are so intertwined, which I thought was good. Um, yeah. As, as the In a sort of very boring way, in a sort of very boring way, you know, to talk about this kind of like, you know, granular business of writing the yeah. book. We, d- we did decide very early that like, we didn't want to just sort of alternate chapters between like Messi's story and Ronaldo's yeah. story. Because uh, th- th- there have been books written like that and that can work really well for some, for some sort of dual biographies. But I think if you're trying to tell one story, that, 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 that is enough of how to tell two stories in, the, in, a, in one book. But if you're trying to tell one story about two guys, you kind of need to find a way to, to bring their stories together as much as possible. So, yeah. Yeah, no, as I said... It's, it's, it's nice to hear you say no, that. No, I thought yeah. it was very intelligent. I, I really liked that. I think one other thing that I liked as the data side of, of this podcast was that at the end of the book, there's, um, there's some really cool tables, which includes all of the, uh, the numbers of, of their, their career that they posted, obviously, goals and assists. Um, and on that, I've I've noticed that Messi is currently posting the the most creative numbers of his career. And granted, the season is barely a third old. But I want to sort of push you for mm. maybe an answer about the World Cup. Given obviously the Messi's less than ideal start uh, to the the World Cup campaign at the time of recording, Ronaldo hasn't played yet for Portugal. But who might you give the edge to in terms of the player who's going to maybe go the furthest within uh, this year's World Cup? Had we done this interview like six hours <laughs> yes. ago, I definitely would have said Messi. <laughs> yes. um, it, it really felt like, um, A, I think it felt like, it feels like, as you say, this season, um, Messi is kind of, if not back to his best, then like certainly a sort of rough approximation of his best. And I think it helps that he's playing in Ligue 1 in France. I, I think PSG, weirdly, that kind of odd um, divorce with Barcelona, which was very much not something that was planned, certainly by the Messi camp, forced them into a very sort of quick decision about where he would go next. And PSG turned out to be almost the perfect answer. I think that mm. is like the absolute perfect environment for Messi right now. He's playing on a super club with very real Champions League aspirations, but also in a domestic league that is like not super taxing and where he can, you know, perform like to the levels that we expect of Messi, um, even in even at the age of like 35. Um, so he really, that, that first season in PSG, you felt like the divorce with Barcelona, that, that sort of ugly breakup was still kind of weighing on him in many ways. At times it felt like yeah. he was sleepwalking through the season. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he just didn't really look like Messi at all last season. Mm-hmm. Um, this season, he looks much more back to himself. feels like he's sort of processed the emotions of that departure and is much happier and more content with where he's at right now. Um, you've seen that in the way that he's played. And he also seems much more happier and content playing for Argentina than he ever has in the past. That um, Copa America win in 2021 which finally kind of got that monkey off his back. Ever since then, A, Argentina has barely lost. I think they came into this tournament on a run of like 30-something games undefeated. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he also just appears much happier and freer playing for Argentina. The shirt that like used to weigh so heavy on him, now it feels like Argentina is like almost his happy place, that he goes there and, and like he loves his teammates and his teammates love him. And it, it, it just feels like a much healthier kind of situation than 
um, than it did before. So I, I would have said everything was set up for Messi to, to perform well at this World Cup. And I really thought Argentina had a strong chance of getting to the final and maybe winning the trophy. Um, maybe they still will. I don't know. It, it's tough. For, I, I, you know, have we seen teams bounce back from a loss like that at a tournament and go on to win it? Not, not really, right? Doesn't it's not something that we we're used to seeing at the World Cup. So it sort of feels like maybe that won't happen now. The one thing I I thought about Ronaldo going in is that if you, if you know anything about Ronaldo and and certainly if you've spent the past two years writing a book about him, um, this is a guy who does not take slights and um, yeah you know, negative things happening to him lightly. And so I did think that he was going to come into the World Cup and really like try to show the world that he still got it. And I kind of still think he's going to do that. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think like the messy thing might even like give him more fuel. And I, I really think, um, I, I find it hard to believe that he's sort of not going to perform better than we're than we're used to seeing in the Premier League this season for sure I mean I, I do completely agree the only thing I'd say is given the nature of what's happened in the past couple of weeks and today at the time of recording with his his uh, contract being terminated you just wonder whether or not there's even one percent difference in his performance as a consequence of just everything going on off the back of it but then you think it's Ronaldo he's so single-minded that maybe that isn't the case I, I don't know yeah exactly we will find out by the time people listen to this we'll probably know yeah. But um, but yeah, just you know, he, he, he yeah he he does have this sort of insane you know ability to summon a performance you know when when he needs it. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm excited to see see what it'll look like. We'll have to do a follow up at some point when we know that Ronaldo's yeah. won the World Cup or <laughs> yeah. not. Where he's playing for next? Who knows? People listening to this in a month's time are going to be like, "What Ronaldo plays for who?" Well, anyway, I have to there. say the first thing I thought when when Messi lost today was like, "Oh well, that." puts them on the other side of the bracket and they could meet oh, Portugal yeah. in the so yeah um, but brilliant but yeah, we'll see we'll see brilliant well Jonathan I just, we just want to say thank you so much for your time and for chatting us through the book um, our listeners will absolutely love the book whereabouts can people find it whereabouts um, should they go search him you can find it um, at Amazon you know anywhere that, that good books are sold I recommend uh, if you have an independent bookstore near you go buy it from there and um, yeah uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And one final question, Jonathan, how long are you in Qatar for? Are you there for the whole tournament? The whole tournament. Yep. I'm here for wow. another something, 28 days or something like that. Um, wow. Yep. Well, so. best of luck with absolutely everything. And uh, the book's fantastic. And we hope that all our listeners go and buy it immediately. Uh, but thank you so much thank for joining you. us. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, guys. Really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Mark, I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm still a little bit amazed that We've just spoken to someone who's literally in the thick of it at the Qatar World Cup. Didn't expect him to be out there, you know, sort of working. And then took he took 25 minutes out of his time to call us at home. Yeah, he must have much bigger things going on, especially given the news, etc. So I'm really glad he actually took the time to speak to us. How did you find that? No, really good. I completely agree. I always think this with all of the uh, the guests that we have on, often speaking to them at least over Zoom for the first time. Uh, and I'm always pleasantly surprised with just how lovely they are. I mean, you expect yeah. these people to be nice, but they're just so, so lovely, so kind with their time. Um, so can't speak highly enough of uh, of Jonathan, uh, obviously as a person, but his, his book as well, alongside uh, Joshua Robinson. So um, 
yeah uh, we obviously we spoke at length about the book but it's just so fascinating to to hear just how extensive his research was and how much he's really thought about this for such a long time even when he was answering the question of you know who might go further in this world cup you could tell that he's think he's thinking about it so much because it's been such a key part of of his and joshua's life of writing this book so um it's yeah it's fascinating to uh, to think of among two of the the most famous footballers of all time really very well said sir very well said um and to the listeners if you would like to go and buy the messi versus ronaldo book we highly recommend it it's a very good read um and we will put the link in the description but as jonathan said you can find it anywhere you get good books from of which it fits nicely because it's a very good book um <laughs> in the meantime if you'd like to get in touch with the football fanalytics podcast you know where you can do that we are fanalytics.pod at gmail.com if you'd like to email us we're also on social media at fanalytics pod um it's a very busy time i don't know when i'm going to be able to pin mark down next because he's got a million pieces to go right after he's uh, clicked stop on this episode but whenever it will be we will look forward to seeing you next time thank you very much Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.